Crime Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime, suspense, and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. And before we get bring on the guest, before I, I should say I bring on the guest, be advised that you can buy the Crime Cafe nine book set and the Crime Cafe short story anthology from any online retailer. And you can find the buy links on my website, debbiemack.com, D-E-B-B-I dot, I mean, D-E-B-B-I-M-A-C-K.com. I can't spell anymore. Who cares, right? <laughs> Spelling, it's overrated. You can also find the link to the Patreon campaign. We have a Patreon campaign going and there are some cool perks. If you'd like free short stories, novels, um, even shout outs on the show, plus video chats and other really cool stuff coming up on the Patreon uh, campaign for the Crime Cafe podcast. So you'll also get our endless thanks if you become a supporter. And uh, so please consider doing that. So just visit the link at debbiemack.com and you'll find the books and the link to the Patreon page there. So now having said that, it's my great pleasure to bring on an author, the dictator of pulp metal magazine, <laughs> lover of genre fiction, comics, music, the occult, and fellow podcaster, Jason Michelle. Hello, Hi, Jason. It's Hi. great to have you on today. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be um, invited on, to be honest. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I'm j the pleasure is all mine. I got to tell you, because uh, before we continue, I'd like to just let everyone know that your story, Black Hearted Beat, is available for download from the Patreon page and that you have this awesome podcast where you uh, read the Black Hearted Beat. And I just think you have the most tremendous voice for, for reading. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's, uh, yes, yeah, it's from, um, um, from years of standing in front of people and teaching. I think that's where it comes from. Um, yes. But yeah, I mean, the, 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 the books are extended versions of the podcast, basically. Um, and the podcast was purely, I was fed up with um, what I was doing, how, what I was creating at the time. And I just, um, I thought, I'm going to do an experiment. I'm going to take each episode and think of it as literally an episode in the way that you had the, the like, the cliffhangers back, you know, the old, like, Buster Crab or the, the, you know, the old black and white cliffhangers. And I wouldn't know where the story was going. So I, I did the first episode and I didn't know I hadn't plotted it. I hadn't planned it. It was purely spontaneous. Um, and just seeing where it went, seeing where my, um, my wonderfully dark and twisted imagination could take it. <laughs> well, that is amazing. I'm always amazed when people can do things like that. That's a, a remarkable well, bit of uh, improvisation. It's, it's, you know, it's just sort of um, tapping into the, the characters. The things that interest me a lot with writing is the, um, the psychology of the characters and sort of seeing 
the juxtaposition between what happens to them and how they feel. Um, and obviously, the, the, I mean, as I, as I sort of mentioned a little bit before the, the podcast started, I don't consider myself a crime writer. Um, I consider myself a writer with uh, cr where criminal things happen, <laughs> let's say, you know, criminal activity happens, things like that. Um, because purely because I've been influenced by so many things as, as a kid, um, loving, um, I grew like my biggest influence in writing, I would say would have to be um, an old English comic called 2000 AD way back in the day. It's like back in the 1980s, early 80s. And it's where we got the idea of Judge Dredd. It was this very anarchic punk rock comic. Um, and sort of, you know, as a fertile, the fertile mind of a, an eight year old reading this stuff, thinking, oh my God, this is so violent. Yeah, I'm loving it. And it's about crime and it's satirical. That was the other thing. It was based on, you know, the satire of um, of the the Thatcher regime at the time. And from then, it got to. I remember being about sixteen years old and um, reading *Crime and Punishment* by Dostoevsky, um, and realizing that I could actually read it because I, I'm from a normal house, not like an intellectual, you know, and realizing that I could do it and realizing how dark someone like Dostoevsky was. And I consider that crime and punishment to be my influence, the influence, if you like, of, um, on me of crime writing, because it's, it's such a dark a psychological novel, of course. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Well, <laughs> no problem. You know, um, you bring up a great point. It's the idea that, crime fiction, I mean, it's a genre and people don't want to be pigeonholed though. I mean, authors, I think. No, I mean, well, it depends. So, some do and that, that's good. Or, some yeah. do and, and that works for them and they've got that like down pat. They have that, you know, mm -hmm. people like, um, um, you know, I, I, from pulp metal, I'm, I'm, um, I'm so happy that I, I actually produced that. I was, it's, it's on a sort of extended hiatus because of, you know, life and things like this. Um, and it was just me for most of the time, just putting other guys' stories up. People like Richard Godwin. Um, I think I have Vincent Zandrine possibly on there. Um, Paul Brazil. Um, I don't know if you know Paul Brazil, yeah? I do. Yeah, I can see you shaking your head. Paul, Paul <laughs> was so. actually... Paul was actually one, he was the guy that it was, um, Pulp Metal was created because one Christmas morning I was suffering from a really bad hangover. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, where can I put my writing? I'd love to have a, like a magazine that encompasses all of this stuff. And I sort of messaged Paul and Paul was like, yeah, do it. And I was like, okay, yeah, why not? Fantastic. Yeah. And that sounds like the kind of thing Paul would suggest. Not that I know him <laughs> well. I feel like I know him from his writing. Paul's a great guy. Blogging. He's a really great guy. He's a really great guy. And he's a really good supporter of underground writers. And that's, that's a huge sort of um, uh, boost for people. He's always championing 
you know he's a noir you know he has his sort of his his own noir way of doing things noir being about losers and being about you know um the sort of the bad choices that people make and the bad repercussions of that um in the shadows as such um and paul sort of siphons that through his um wonderful sense of humor um but he always he champions the underdog Mm-hmm. in that sense and he really you know he's a he's a he's a good guy but don't tell him I said that <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny because um I love reading his stuff because mm. as dark as it gets it always makes me laugh the humor in Paul um in Paul's work is uh, is wonderful it is you know, he has a very he has a very British sense of humor about it uh, this sort I, of I know which I love <laughs> you know, sort of absurd sense of humor I love that actually that is just that appeals to me so much um let's see I I had noticed that you got a claim for your book the death of three colors ah yes um Can you talk about that a little bit what's sure. that it's um well I I remember one day I was um you know, I was surfing on the internet and this idea of, it, she's become quite a big sort of character now. This, You know, in Mexico, they have uh, Santa Muerta, the St. Death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I stumbled upon this and I thought, oh, this is so fascinating because she's the, you know, they call her the lady of last resorts. And it's where the sort of all the nightcrawlers end up going. You know, if an assassin wants to do a hit, he, do, he can't go to, um, you know, he can't go to the Madonna um, to sort of ask for protection. So he goes to Santa Muerta or, or you know, prostitutes at night um, to keep them safe. And they, they have this sort of tradition of it. And I... I got quite interested in this. And then um, a friend of mine, Chris, who lives in Mexico, he came over to visit. And he said, um, when I was living in Paris, he came over to visit. And he said, do you want anything from Mexico? And I said, yeah, bring me some Mexican cigarettes and bring me a Santa Muerta statue. And so he did. And um, she she sort of became part of this... Um, story. So I, um, in the tradition of Santa Muerte, one of the traditions, there's three colors, which are um, white, red, and black, and they signify different things. White is like a pure death. Red is like the earthy, um, you know, business, sex, it's, it's the material thing. And black is, she's the, she's the, um, the nasty lady that you don't want to mess with. And so I progressively went through and I used each of these uh, these three colors for each um, part of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also about a guy um, who is um, dealing with some shady characters, is involved in um, money laundering through cryptocurrencies um, <laughs> and this kind oh, wow. of thing. Um with a, um, it, it's sort of like an almost an alternative universe. It's an alternative London. I didn't want to set it anywhere because it is essentially fantasy in one sense. Um, 
but I've done it in a way where it's um, I've given the streets of it's supposed to be London, but I've given the streets names from literature that books that I love and you know characters that I love and things like this. Um, mm. But it, it's gritty, um, and um, I think it's probably some of my best work. Dare I say that? Well, it sounds fantastic. Well, I would, I would love to send you a copy at some point. I would love to get one. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you ever, I have to ask, mm -hmm. read a book called Gun with Occasional Music? No, I have not. I've never heard I of it. I am reading it now, and it's hard-boiled mystery slash futuristic sci-fi. That's, that, that. It's kind of like... That, Turns me on, to be honest. That's yeah, it's kind of like Raymond Chandler meets, I don't know. It's um, like Blade Runner in one sense. It's that sort of neo-noir. That gets, it's a little less, it's a little more hard-boiled detective than Blade mm. Runner. Let's put it that way. Okay. Kind of like Raymond Chandler with a touch of Philip K. Dick. Or, oh, fantastic. Or, fantastic. or you know, something sci-fi-ish and maybe more like um i'm trying to think of his name oh the cyber guy i know that um, william gibson william gibson thank you thank you thank you very much thank yeah. you <laughs> anyway it's really really good Which jonathan sounds... lethem is the author okay okay i would i'll, so, um, I'll, I'll have yeah. a look i'll check it out i don't read much fiction anymore um, I haven't read fiction for a while. I, th I find that if you read too much fiction, you end up being so influenced because we're, in, we're, you know, we're all standing on the shoulders of giants as such, aren't we? In, in oh, one yeah. sense of, of our influences. So I, um, you know, I, I, I actually love when it comes to noir, I love film noir. Film noir is something Me I really too. love. Um, and that influences me, I would say, more than um, and German expressionism and all the influences of film noir um, influences me more than um, than a lot of noir books because I, I there's something I think you can do with cinema. Um, it's a different medium. It's a visual medium, and um, whereas uh, books can do. I mean, someone like Richard Godwin can do that. Um, you know Richard? I've heard that name. Yeah, he's a he 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 he's dark. <laughs> we call him, he, you know, amongst amongst ourselves, we call him the Dark Lord because he he has a certain. No, um, no he it, read read. Um, I highly recommend Apostle Rising, his first novel, because hmm. he was um, um, sort of. He was just exploring it, it, a very dark things with sort of occult themes and things like this as well, uh, which has become quite sort of fashionable in one sense. But he was sort of there quite it's early as well. Yeah, he was there early, quite yeah. early. Yeah, yeah. There's a and he has that English sort of idea as well. It's you know that sort of folk horror-ish. I don't know. Um, kind of Wicker Man-ish. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Debbie, you mentioned The Wicker Man, my favorite film. <laughs> yeah. I seem to have a lot of connections in England these days. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. We're not so bad as Limey's. Oh, not at all. You won't get an argument from me there. 
when I, when I took a trip to um, Ireland and Great Britain, I had just a wonderful time. Mm. I just thought the, the place was splendid. Splendid, <laughs> absolutely. And it has a certain, it does have a certain sort of mysticism about the, um, you know, the, the, the countryside. I think that's where the folk horror thing comes in, where the right. countryside actually becomes part of the, it becomes a character in the way that, you know, cities become characters in, in people like J.G. Ballard novel. I don't know. I imagine, you know, J.G. Ballard. Have you heard the writer? I don't uh, know he's, he's the guy, you remember that years ago, there was that film crash about, um, I think David Cronenberg, I think Cronenberg did the, Oh did yes. The, um, he directed it. Um, and Ballard has a, he has a very sort of, um, he has this idea of the city being a character in one sense, or it's very sort of um, psychological dehumanizing uh, aspect of, of gray <laughs> British cities and things like this, you know? Sort of like Los Angeles in a lot of film noir. Absolutely, absolutely. Or San Francisco or New York, a lot of times. Absolutely, time yeah. New York and Taxi Driver, for example. There's, there's exactly. A, yeah, there's a there's a a perfect example for it. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God, I could probably talk about England forever too. Um, just out of curiosity, are you a Doctor Who fan? Uh, <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. I mean, I was brought up on it. Um, some people mm -hmm. had football. Um, I had sort of Doctor Who. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And my brother lives down in Cardiff where they actually, they were filming it. I think they still might be filming it as well. Um, but yeah, I'm, but classic Doctor Who, Tom Baker. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. The Doctor, back when the Doctor was an avuncular character, not this romantic. I mean, the, 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 late, the latest, the later episodes are, are fun, um, but there was something always a bit creepy about the doctor he was a bit weird he had like this young you know this young assistant he was, there was something not right about him occasionally there was... barely dressed <laughs> exactly like, there um, was... the uh the 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 savage one whose name mm. me oh yeah her name escapes me now but um yeah and one after sarah jane yes sarah absolutely sarah and, jane uh, one of my favorites oh <laughs> uh, she's dead and she's passed away now. I know, I know, I remember. God. <laughs> but um here I am talking about Doctor Who <laughs> on a on a crime show. On a crime you show. I, I apologize me. to your listeners. Um <laughs> but yeah. Um but I mean, you know, crime writing is I, I think it's um it's you know, you when you have people like uh you know as i say vincent and when you have people like paul and les edgerton um you know these great writers i wouldn't dare call myself a um a crime writer because i think that would um you know that would it, it's mine is sort of more psychological this sort of idea influenced by movies very cinematic influenced by you know italian giallo movies um like Suspiria and, and um, uh, uh, Argento films, um, but just mixing everything up and mm -hmm. seeing what seeing what happens really, 
um, being. I just like to think of myself as a writer. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. I mean, and because that way you can you can explore more and you can take risks. And you know, my writing is about taking risks and seeing what happens. For example, the most I've been doing recently is actually poetry. Um, I, I started. I started. Um, that was my first publication way back, oh, about fifteen years ago, something like that. Oh, um, um, where I I got published a couple of poems published in a um, an American poetry magazine, and um, I can't remember the name of it now. It's a long time ago. Um, but I just, you know, influenced by people like Dylan Thomas, Robinson Jeffers, this is love of language. And people think of poetry as being something airy, fairy, and, you know, um, but it's a great way of, of expressing, of building a story in, in very few words. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what I love about it. And my poetry is not something that um, is for popular consumption, let's say. I don't think <laughs> too many people would, would enjoy it. I, I just, I write poems and I put them up on Instagram and assault the world with my words, basically. Well, I have to follow you on Instagram because I love Absolutely. that kind of poetry. Right. Death Grin Writing. If you can find Death Grin Writing. Death, death Grin Writing? <laughs> yeah, Death Grin Writing. I think it's, um, I can't remember exactly, but it's Death Grin, maybe underscore writing. Something like that. I'm writing this down. <laughs> <laughs> I have to check that out Please because do. I think that is a anybody who can write poetry is doing something amazing in my opinion because short stories as it is are hard enough but poetry is like concentrated you know that's exactly it is concentrated that and that's what I like about it um and I can remember reading um some Dylan Thomas when I was a kid and thinking my god what what is this? This is incredible. The language, the vocabulary, the use of words, and then reading Bukowski, and falling in love with the way that Bukowski wrote poetry because it was mm -hmm. it was about normal people. It was about well, not not normal people, but it was about lives, um, about um, looking at people. It had a certain rebellion to it. It had a certain revolt and revulsion. Um, that I always enjoyed and <laughs> <laughs> in that sense, yeah. Well, um, quickly before we wrap up, I was gonna ask two things. First of mm -hmm. all, since you're into visuals and movies as I am actually in film mm -hmm. noir, have you ever considered doing a graphic novel? Uh, well, I, I actually wrote um, a comic script um, I used to write these stories that were like noir. It's hard to explain. They're, they're, they were basically noir stories, but um, sort of not science fiction, but more like a, a, a sort of comic book with a um, bit of like Lynchian nonsense, absurdist sort of stuff. But essentially noir, where I had this this one character um who he was like a sort of a james bond sort of character who appeared first of all in one of my novels um like a crossing james bond and sort of barry adamson i don't know if you know the the, the songwriter barry adamson he used to play for nick cave he does his own stuff he he did some soundtracks for um david lynch and 
things like that. And um, um, and it was very much this this character Vincent Vincent Blake that was his name. And I loved the visual ideas of this, so I sort of produced a comic. And I my um, I still need I pitched uh, I talked to my friend Richard, who's a comic artist. Um, he does Italian comics. Uh, and we still haven't got it together after years of, of talking about it. So I would I would love to do it because growing up on comics, that would be, it's a very different medium, of course. Yes, it that, is but, very yeah. much so. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add before we uh, wrap up? Um, well, um, I mean, my, you know, my, uh, Black Audio Beat Books are on Near to the Knuckle. Uh, it's a great, you know, if any um, aspiring crime writers are listening to this, find Near to the Knuckle, contact Craig. Um, he's always up for supporting new talent. Um, he's a great guy. Um, he'll, he'll tell you he's an honest guy as well, um, which is a good thing in this business as well. And um, I think that's probably it, really. Well, that's awesome. We can, we can have a chat. We can continue our talk later. <laughs> yes, They've all gone away. <laughs> all I can say is this has been brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. If I may say so. Thank you. It must, be the, it must be the good Italian wine that's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's excellent. And uh, I really appreciate your being here with me today. Oh, and vice versa, Debbie. Thank you very much for inviting me. I appreciate it a lot. It was really a pleasure. And thank Craig, too. And I'm Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I will. He's in Austria. I contacted him yesterday saying, oh, I'm going on that podcast. You remember the one that I booked year, like a year ago? <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm in, Aust I'm in Austria at the moment. I'm drinking beer. I'm like... <laughs> Good for I mean, bully for you. I <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's excellent, and uh, I'm so glad that uh, we had this chance to talk. Absolutely, Debbie. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, uh, and uh, I will just say, uh, don't forget, everyone, that the Crime Cafe box set and anthology are available uh, for sale everywhere in the world that has an internet connection. Plus, you can. Um, get more goodies and our endless thanks if you contribute to the Crime Cafe Patreon campaign. So with that, I will say thank you for listening. Keep on reading and see you in two weeks.